Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have the inspirational Sandy McDonald. Sandy is the director of Get It Right Online and founder and CEO of an international charity called Create Care Global. Sandy is also a TEDx speaker, Tell Your Story, Save a Life, for which she received a standing ovation, is based on this very experience and explains how your story can enrich, change or even save lives. After 22 years running a successful marketing communications company, she used purposeful blogging to build a global community that works to help the millions of children orphaned in Africa, enabling millions of micro acts of goodness that gives everyone the potential to be a global citizen. Sandy is also the author of Get It Right Online, Build a Clan and Supercharge Your Business Details, the framework to do this. She believes that clarity of purpose and principle is an elixir that paves the way to a paradigm shift, changing the business experience to what matters most and how to make a difference in people's lives. Let's tune in to Sandy, who is known for converting a complex online world into practical but life-changing steps for business owners to supercharge their business and their lives. Welcome to the show, Sandy McDonald. How are you? Good. How is uh, how is Get It Right Online going? Oh, it's um, it's in as business often is. It's in constant growth and transition. Um, so I'm moving from a, a place where I was very, very involved in communications online to being a, a little more spread across the communications remit um, because a lot of my work now is taking me into uh, offline communications but with a view to how that works online. How did you come up with a name? I love it. It's so punchy, right to the point. <laughs> um, well, like all these things, it's a long story, but I, I wrote um, a book and um, initially the book was called Clans, as in community. And I have an accent which most people will pick because um, I come from Zimbabwe. And um, I'd say what the name of my book was and people would think I was saying the word clowns, which was definitely not what the book was about. And the book was really about the process that I had unpacked when I built a very large online community. 
and I'd come up with seven principles that I felt were immutable principles if people wanted to do the same thing and go online and create a community. And so I realized that what I was talking about was how to get it right online because ultimately if you're online, what you're trying to do is connect with other people, the, the right people, and offer them what, you know, what they need and create a community. That's how the online space works at its very best. And that's how I came up with the title. So how, how did you build your community right from scratch? Um, about t- 10 years ago, I suppose, um, my husband and I had been running a marketing communications company for 22 years at that stage. And um, things weren't going quite the way we'd planned for a number of reasons. And um, I was looking at the internet for a way out. I'd, I'd been a graphic designer for a long time. I didn't want to do graphic design anymore. I'd just come to the end of that particular era of my life. And I'd been fascinated by the internet since it sort of started. And so we went to an internet marketing seminar. And it was one of those seminars where you at the end of four days, you you kind of have your credit card ready and you're prepared to pay anything because they're going to offer you the secret, you know. And so, um, but we didn't didn't buy anything, but we came back with our eyes spinning because it was so many ideas. And then really not long after that, my aunt came to visit from South Africa and she told me in passing that she bought blankets and kept them in the car, um, to hand out to children that she found alone and cold on the side of the road at night. And I was absolutely appalled because, I mean, here in Australia, one child found alone would be headline news. So um, I, she left and not long after I was mucking around on the internet trying to find an idea, trying to find a purpose, trying to find a reason for doing something. And I suddenly came up with this idea, well, if I – what if, you know, if I went and asked knitters to knit a square and send it to my aunt, she would then be able to buy blankets rather than make them. It was such a simple idea. <laughs> but um, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, to be honest. I um, fiddled around on the internet and sort of started to find my way through and understand a little bit at that stage about search engine optimization and um, and then I realized I needed to do some research because I couldn't sort of ask these knitters to knit, to do anything unless they fully understood why. And I started to find out about this issue of children that have been orphaned because they've lost their parents as a result of HIV AIDS in Africa. And the statistics were absolutely staggering. Um, that was 25 million children have been orphaned or abandoned or are made vulnerable in some way. And the more I read and the more researched, the more passionate I became, the more focused I became. And I started to tell the stories of these children and what was happening and saying to the knitters, you know, you, you love knitting. You just got to knit for these kids. And it's, it, it took off. It created a viral explosion, I suppose is the way you would call it. And, um, and today, it's still it, it, the squares are still arriving by the tens of thousands. Um, I think my aunt told me the other day that we're at about one point two million squares. Wow, that's so amazing, <laughs> Sandy! That's fantastic. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible story. It's an amazing story. I've got goosebumps listening to you. <laughs> so, Sandy, before we got on the call, we were talking about you uh, um, spoke, uh, we were talking about TEDx talk, and I was asking you how did you get onto TEDx. So you said there was a bit of a story behind that. Would you there like to is. share the story with our listeners? Yes. Um, I did a business course and I went out for a coffee with one of the people that we'd been doing the business course with. Um, and I, I was in a pivoting stage. Um, I didn't really want to build websites anymore, which is what I was doing. And um, she, she was asking me about my background. And I think I told her the story that I've told you. And she said to me, that's a TEDx talk. And I said, oh, you, I think you're on drugs. <laughs> There's no ways I'm getting up on a TEDx stage. <laughs> And then about a year later, it's funny, you, she challenged me. She said, you should, you really ought to. About a year later, I was um, in, a, in a sort of one day, half a day workshop and the person running the workshop was John Yeo and he is the Melbourne TEDx curator. And I didn't think very much of it at the time, but the um, host of the course said, look, I'm going to ask you all to do a talk and in, a, in three months' time, and I'm going to ask John if he'd be kind enough to come back and listen to your talks. And I decided to take a punt. I just thought, well, you know, what harm would it be if I created and wrote a TEDx talk based on my experiences of this extraordinary story and delivered it in front of John? I really wasn't thinking there'd be any outcome. I just thought it would be a good challenge to do it because like many people, I was absolutely terrified of public speaking. So um, he arrived and we all delivered our talks and I got up and prepared, did mine. And um, I noticed almost from the moment I opened my mouth that he was watching. Um, I had a few slides and he, he, he was very intrigued by the whole story and he came up to me afterwards and said, how would you like to tell that to a worldwide audience, which I nearly fainted. <laughs> and there, there it went, and so I did. And there were a 1,000 people in the audience that day, which was extraordinary. That's um, amazing. Yeah, and I got a standing ovation, which yes. was even more amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, you're changing and even saving lives, so it's amazing, absolutely amazing what you do. Well, you know, I can't take credit for it all. I started it and I definitely poured an enormous amount of passion and a huge amount of energy into it, as did a lot of my, my two daughters and my husband and my aunt in South Africa who's just done the most incredible work with volunteers actually putting the blankets together and distributing them. And, of course, the online community themselves who've basically run the show, uh, you know, um, since um, 2012. So it's like all these things. Uh, you get It's acting on an idea maybe is the thing I could take credit for um, and being brave enough, I suppose, to do it and run with it even though it probably wasn't the wisest thing to do financially. Um, and then um, perhaps looking at the community and seeing the people that were rising like cream and auspicing them to, to do the work. So um, I just can't take credit for it all. I think in all good things, it's a team. 
Yeah, I, Sandy, what you're doing is amazing, and obviously you're very passionate about what you do. So let me ask you, what drives you? My family. <laughs> My uh, two daughters, my husband, my two daughters, and my two beautiful grandchildren who are just two and one. I had no idea what a gift having grandchildren would be. I think when you have children yourself, you are so busy sort of being a parent um, that you don't take the time to stop and watch this wonder of a human being coming into the world and growing and, and learning. Um, and they fuel me with energy. So they've given me not only the energy to be the best possible grandparent I can be but um, to do more with my life than perhaps I'd thought I might do because I want to give them a legacy you know I want to leave something for them the world in whatever way I can that will inspire them or or contribute to their lives in some way so they drive me yeah, and you and it's so true, Sandy. You hear that all the time. That as a parent, when you're busy working and being a parent, you probably don't uh, have that time to sort of pause and sit back and appreciate your children as much as what you would as a grandparent or grandmother, grandfather. And you do hear that quite often. Yes, and I, I feel it's an extraordinary gift, um, and not you know not one that you can take for granted. Not not every parent is fortunate enough to be a grandparent or as fortunate as I am to, which is to have my two grandchildren within very close proximity so I see them pretty much every day well what a what a, an amazing grandmother I mean surely your children and your grandchildren I mean, <laughs> they must look up to you and have a look at what you've created globally Oh, I think they've, you know, they've got the full measure of me in all in all my aspects warts and all <laughs> That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Sandy, with the benefits of hindsight, what would you have done differently in your life or career? I'd have stuck with my ideas, um, Catherine. I, you know, I, I know that um, very often if you're a creative person and I have a creative background, there is a tendency to have uh, many, many ideas, um, and that's not a bad thing. Um I have a name for it. I call it multiple possibility disorder. Um, and I think it's multiple possibility disorder when you actually do a little bit of work on every single idea and you don't actually realize an idea to its fullest extent. So really the goal, um, perhaps the, the greatest regret I've got is that I didn't fully understand the whole concept of purpose. And I think if I had, there were at least two or three ideas that were honestly great ideas well before their time and would have got incredible traction online if I'd fully understood my purpose and therefore stuck at them without uh, being distracted by other stuff and, and also letting my, you know, that troublesome little lizard brain that we all have get in the way and say, you know, nobody else is doing this stuff. What makes you think you can succeed at that? And, um, and because I just wasn't driven by purpose at the time, I didn't keep going. But I look back on two or three of the ideas we had and think those would have been very successful. <laughs> but um, So that is a regret. It's probably more to do with not understanding the power of purpose until I was a bit older. 
You know, I, I believe it's better late than never. And at least you did find your purpose because sometimes there are some people that work through, that live through life that never really tap into their purpose. So no. I think that it's wonderful that you have. And uh, and I think sometimes, you you know, there's even myself, I probably wasn't aware of my purpose till much later on in life. I think it's one of those things you either do or you don't. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I look at it this way, that it comes to you at the right time. Yes. Yeah. There, there are so many people who talk about purpose but can't articulate it. Yes. Um, and I think I, I'm fond of saying to people in the work that I do, when you can say I believe dot, 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 and you do, it's incredible what you accomplish under that banner. That's right. And you know when you're on, when you're on purpose, you know this is what you came here to do. Yeah. It's just that innate feeling inside of you you know that you are deeply fulfilled with what you do yeah, and yes. and at the same time it can be a little bit dangerous because I always say to myself I am so passionate about what I do I love what I do that I feel like I don't work a day in my life but and you can see that's wonderful. The, it is wonderful but the danger of that is you could work 16 18 <laughs> 20 hours um, but yeah it is and that's when you know you're on purpose because yes. you are just you're flowing through life yes absolutely so sandy what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given i was given um and they go sort of hand in hand so it's not a single piece of advice it's two bits um by a mentor um a friend who was a mentor several several years ago possibly even 15 or 20 years ago and he was an early adopter of change management in the days when, you know, most people, if you'd said change management, wouldn't have had a clue what you were talking about. And he gave me these two tools. In fact, I met him recently and I reminded him and he'd sort of forgotten about them, but I adopted them. Um, and one was what, what I've come to, um, I've sort of created my own version of it um, and I call it the trust monitor. And it's um, five tenants that you can measure on a measure of naught to ten um, as to whether a situation, a person, a quote, a proposal, a relationship or any other thing has those qualities of trust that, that mean you should continue in the communication or the relationship. And it's based on competency, capability, transparency, disclosure and, and inclusivity. Um, and I've used it extensively in my my life since then, and it's really helped enormously, especially in those situations where you just can't be sure why things aren't working the way they should. Um, and it came hand in hand with a second piece of a, a second tool, which was essentially it's called an apathy to commitment chart, and um, we were in a lot of client servicing in the days when there was a big transition. Um, and very often we'd be putting forward great ideas to people and sensing that we weren't getting uh, the kind of collaboration back that we really wanted to have to make this work work. And part of this um, chart is just <laughs> so good because it describes the person that's in a silo, that's, in, that's apathy, that's the person who, who has a lot of knowledge but just operates in complete isolation 
And the commitment one is, is the director role. That's the role where you do everything you possibly can in, in spite of everything else in life. You're just that committed. And sitting in between is compliance. And that's the person who sort of comes to work at five and at eight and leaves at five and doesn't really contribute one way or another. But the two that I found really interesting, the, the, two that, the one that's very interesting is the one that's called grudging compliance. And that's the person that says, yes, yes, I'm going to do something but they don't do it and you end up micromanaging them and there's so, such a huge waste of energy in that space because you'll never move them into commitment and so from if you're employing staff those are the people you just have to let go they may they may not be grudging with another employer or another role um, so it's really understanding where your energy is um, so it's a, a chart i think to understand what a lot of people know innately but some people, there's some situations where you just don't quite know what's going on. And this is a great tool to, to understand that. So where would our listeners find a tool? Because I think that's amazing. I love the whole trust monitor and the apathy to commitment chart. The trust monitor is on my website, my blog website, whyyoumustblog.com. And I haven't actually put the apathy chart up because I tend to um, roll that out with my clients. Right. Um, but I have a feeling that it's it's probably in the public domain because it's not my own IP. I've I, Like a lot of the stuff, I've taken it and I've um, looked at it and then I've kind of realized it in, in my speak, if you like, in my language. But it's not, um, I didn't create it as a chart, but it was a brilliant piece of advice. It is. And trust is such a big thing. I mean, we talk about it quite often. There's there's different ways you trust. And, and, and then there's there's such a variable, uh, in the word itself, trust. You know, there's some people that just trust everybody until proven wrong. Some yeah. people don't trust anybody. Yeah. And then others may think that trust needs to be earned. And then when you do trust someone, how much do you actually trust them? Yes. And, you know, especially online because so many people say to me, well, how, you know, how do you build trust online? I mean, you don't even know these people. Um, and it's, it's not so much that you're judging them, it's that you are communicating in a way that you know you can tick those boxes up at the 10 mark. Because if you're doing that, then you're completely authentic and people will trust you, and they do. Yeah, and I think people are switched on these days. I think they, yeah. you know, innately either just intuitively or just, you know, I think customers nowadays are so much more savvy and so much more intuitive and they'll know straight away whether they can trust you. Yes, mm. absolutely. So, Sandy, what's the greatest lesson that you have ever learned? It's such a big question, isn't it? It is. There's so um, many lessons that we learn <laughs> along the way. I think it is honestly that nothing matters more than being present with those that you love uh, in the space, in the space with them. That You know, too often we get sidetracked um, by life and the vicissitudes of running our own businesses and, and the ups and downs that, that go with that. And so the really amazing things that are happening around us get pass us by. And actually, I learned that lesson from my younger daughter when she was getting married was probably at, at a time, a very dark time for us business-wise. 
And she said, I don't know how you're going to do this, but somehow you have to be in the moment of this experience of the wedding because you will look back and say, when things have changed, because they will, you'll look back and say, you know, I only had that one, she was only hopefully ever going to get married once. It was a one-off experience and, and it was spoiled because I was so down and black about what was happening in our business. And I took that on board um, and worked really hard to make the experience um, the experience and nothing to do with the business. And so I have wonderful memories of the lead-up and the actual wedding day. And that was such a big lesson because I could so easily have just been filtering all the misery through the back of my brain while this amazing experience was going on. Um, and I've taken that lesson and tried to run with it ever since. Wow, what an amazing advice from your daughter. Very, yeah. very wise woman. She's a wise, a wise young girl. I've got two very wise daughters. I'm very lucky. Oh, and I wonder where they get that from. <laughs> no, they've taught me a lot. And they do, don't they? Children do. Yeah. They do yeah. teach you. And being present, it's one of those things that sometimes it doesn't come easy. It's one of those things that you have to consciously make an effort and work mm -hmm. at it. It's you know, and I think over time, you know, it doesn't matter how much you you practice it. I think that over time, it's you become more and more conscious of how often you're not present mm. because we get so caught up on external things and the business of life and technology that sometimes it's it's uh, when you are present to stop and check in with yourself. It's it's um it's quite powerful. Yes, um, and and you're so right. It's not innate. Well, it was not for me anyway. I've had to learn it. And I'd say I'm still learning it. Um, but I can't. I do have some checks now that I didn't used to have in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I think it goes with me too. As much as I talk about it, I still myself are practising it all the time. Yes. So what advice would you give your younger self? Um, I, I think probably to be more trusting of your good ideas um, or at least – um, well, of course, I would say to my younger self, work hard to find out what your personal purpose is or be aware of that. Purpose wasn't really an, a concept around when I was younger, but it's very much around for younger people today. Um, and, and then uh, check in with your purpose, check your ideas in with your purpose, filter your ideas and, um, you know, if they, if they tick the boxes, then have the courage to go with them, have the, have, stand your, uh, back yourself, to back yourself. Because um, one doesn't really want to have any regrets. Um, and I'm a great believer in the fact that we, and that's partly about living in the moment too, that um, if we're living in the space of if only we're stuck in the past and that's doing us no good service at all, and if we're living in the space of what if, we're awfulizing about the future and that's not doing us any good. So the, having a purpose kind of grounds you into right now because the moment you marry an intention to a purpose, you only do the logical next steps that you need to do. So there's a whole clarity piece that sits around this. I guess that's the work I do. And I think that's what I'd be saying to my younger person. Um, 
what a pity that you, you didn't have the knowledge to get clear on your purpose and trust your ideas when you were younger. <laughs> And I think that comes with age too. It's not yes. till it's. You know, I think that you know, as we get older, we become more, oh, you know, the wise old owl. We become wiser. We can look back and and uh, see and take our learnings and embrace our learnings and know what we can and can't do moving forward. Um, and I think that purpose is such a big thing. But then to to understand at such a young age, I think that just comes with time. It does, um, and. There's no point in, in um, pushing that barrow if it's if it's being met with any form of resistance. Mm, but I'm, I'm certainly talking to my daughters about it uh, a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. And how? So, what kind of conversations are they understanding? What purpose is all about? Do they connect with it? Yes, very much. Um, but that isn't to say that either of them at this stage would be able to articulate a purpose for their life's work but they're much more tuned in to what that potential could be mm. um, than perhaps I was at the same age. I mean, right at the moment, they're, you know, they're, they're very um, invested in, in tiny babies and that, as you know, <laughs> tends to take up a lot of energy. But um, both of them have a sort of a, world, a more worldly vision of the potential for where they could go and that makes me feel that they will investigate their personal purpose when they're in a place where it's appropriate to do so. Mm, I love the word investigate. Yeah. So, Sandy, who's been your greatest influence? Oh, them. My, my husband and them and these two babies. I, I know it sounds, um, I, I, you know, I thought about the question and I, I just, I'd love to say, you know, somebody like Nelson Mandela who's a remarkable human being and I, I, I admire him so enormously but on a daily basis, the people that influence me, that make me think about who I am and what I am and where I'm going and why I should be doing it and is it meaningful, it's them, my immediate family and my mother. She's been a great influence on me too. Oh, look, I'm right there with you. I have the same thing. If somebody asks me that question, it's always been my family because they have my back. Yeah. At all, all the time. My son, my husband, my mother, my family, they're always so supportive and they're an influence of me. They yeah. uh, allow me to be who I am and it's very empowering when you have that kind of support. Oh, 100%. Um, but they also are a good reality check. Um, so they, you know, they don't let me get too fanciful. Yeah, I can relate to that one too. Yeah. They bring you, they bring you back down to earth yeah. every now and then. Yes. Yeah, especially when you go off, well, especially me, I'm a bit of a, a creative spirit and sometimes I go yeah. off into the clouds with my ideas and that's not till my husband brings me down to earth and really makes me look at it in a reality kind of way. So it uh, puts things into perspective for that sort Good of man. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. So, Sandy, if you had to describe one word, uh, that describes your personal brand, what would that be? I think it's got to be love of family. I know that's three words, so maybe I'll just say love. But it's that it's they are the inspiration behind everything I do. So even the charity, um, you know, what drove me in the end was I kept thinking of these children that didn't have a mother and a father. I, and and that was such a driving force because I knew what my girls had 
I knew what I had having them and now the grandchildren and, and, and to think that there are these many millions of kids that don't have that was a big driver. Mm, obviously, and I think even just family, I mean, you are all about family, children, yeah. even your charity is all about children without yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, it's just beautiful what you do. Just keep up with the amazing work. Thank you. So, Sandy, we always wrap up with three golden nuggets. So we always la- like to ask our um, beautiful guest uh, speakers to come on and um, share three golden nuggets with our listeners. So what would be your three golden nuggets? The first one is definitely to embrace the concept of clarity. Um, it's, you know, it's not often tackled as a topic, which I find really surprising because so little of any worth can be achieved without it. And when you do find clarity, it's an elixir. It, it's very liberating to be super clear on what your purpose is, what your intention is uh, for anything, your business, your family, online, buying a house, it doesn't really matter. Um, It's incredibly liberating to be clear because it stops the noise in your head. Um, And the moment you stop swimming in your head, you, you you, you are focused on what you need to do and you only need to do those logical next steps. And if you've only got eight hours in a day, you won't overimpose on yourself a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't actually just drive you to that one desired reality, whatever that is. So um, doing the hard work of clarity is definitely my first nugget. Um, And the second one is to understand your principles. And I see principles as being quite different to values. Um, In my world, the, the immutable laws that that um, inform how you operate, how you show up in the world. Um, And I think values dictate behavior, but principles are um, the the operating framework for whatever you're doing. So, I mean, my first principle is clarity. So I can't do what I do with people and business owners if I'm not taking them through a process of clarity. If you removed clarity... uh, out of my principle, my, those pillars that support my purpose, I just wouldn't be able to do what I do. So when you do find your principles, a remarkable thing happens. You identify your key messages. And, and again, this, it, I'm talking business here, but it actually cuts across anything. It could cut across parenting, um, being on a board for, a, you know, it could cut across anything. You un- and in identifying the key messages, you also begin to unearth the stories that support the key messages. So your communications become so much clearer when you understand your principles. Um, and the third one is curiosity. Um, I have a, a friend who um, told me once that great leaders are in relentless pursuit of their truth. And I just found that an extraordinary line sort of sat with me I thought how hard it is to be in relentless pursuit of your truth but I think if you're curious and you keep asking why and you keep searching you are in relentless pursuit of your truth and when you when you're in relentless pursuit of your truth um, you you will unearth your purpose you will find what your principles are you will understand uh, what the stories are that support all of that. 
um, and you will better serve the world as a result of that, whatever that world is for you. It might be your family, your clients, um, the chat, you know, the charity, whatever you're doing, you will better serve it by having gone through that, that process. Wow, Sandy, they're amazing uh, golden nuggets. And I love the whole principles. I mean, I look at principles as almost like universal laws, as very right. much your foundation. And it's very true. They are your pillars and your foundation that drive you uh, and drive even your values and your decisions and, and yeah. what you do. Yes, absolutely. Mm, I love it. Fantastic. So, Sandy, how do our listeners find you? Well, they can find me on um, my website, um, which is getitrightonline.com. And they can certainly find me on my blog. So I have a, a blog that sort of sits separately because I'd started the blog way, way before I developed my business. And I decided that they were um, sympathetic to each other. And I, I actually love my blog, Why You Must Blog, because that's probably where I can, I can just be my most authentic self um, and share ideas with the world. Um, so, and also I have the Facebook page, that's Why You Must Blog and a whole lot of other social media bits and pieces, but those are probably the three the three areas, and LinkedIn, of course. Sandy, what an inspirational woman you are. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure listening to your stories and amazing advice as well, like the three golden nuggets, just amazing. Thank uh, you. I love everything about you, and uh, <laughs> look, keep up with the great work and you're doing amazing things. So thank you so much for your time and your energy and uh, I look forward to speaking with you more. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I'm, I'm just really excited to be part of your project. Thank you. We're, we're the ones that are uh, It's an honour to have you on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Bye. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.